All right, welcome back to Fair the Inkwell. Um, so, so here's here's the trope that I wanted to touch on today, and I'm actually not sure what brought this to mind, but so there's this movie called The Last Mimsy, and I, it's based on a science fiction story where there's some trouble in the future, and they send these objects into the past, and these two children find these objects, and the adults, like the parents of the children, can't fathom what these objects do or are for. But as the children play with them, they start to learn how they function. And it, it translates into like genius levels of in- intellect. Like it spurs these children on to become, you know, way smarter. They understand things way better. Like, so, and I think, cause I was reading the Wikipedia synopsis and I guess they don't, uh, <laughs> The, the children don't actually succeed in what they're doing, but they, they succeed enough for the future to be saved anyway. So I was thinking about that trope and like the idea of sending some information or some sort of complexity through time and space into the hands of somebody that may or may not understand it. And I, I guess this actually kind of touches upon a little bit of the topic we were talking about last time with the lost technology, but this would be more of a information that is not yet understood. And so it, it, it is, it takes the form of some object that is incomprehensible to most people, but then you find like the, the one, you know, the Mm -hmm. the one person that can understand it and they figure out that it has all these properties and it teaches them how to do something or something like that. Like, and it, pushes society in a certain direction. And so like I was thinking about that trope and, you know, I'm not certain that that movie did very well, but I think that a story could be written about around this idea. I mean, take for instance, like uh, contact or some other such thing like that, you know, a lot of people hated that movie. I thought it was great, but uh, I liked it. Yeah. But they, they're receiving information from an exterior source that causes them to construct something that, you know, that they had not previously understood or something like that. And so take that concept and bring it into our modern era where, like, I don't know, maybe a, a little, like, Rubik's Cube is sent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find it. I, you know, we don't know the origin of it. And through the manipulation of this cube, you uh, you come across the information to build a communication device that opens up a line of communication to a far more advanced civilization, whether it's in the future or it's, uh, you know, alien and, you know, so it's separated by distance, you know, that sort of thing. And so what, like, what would that look like? Like if in this day and age, like if you had a cell phone and you could ring up like the, uh, the, the, the Nordic alien race and you're like, Hey guys, how's it going? You know, they're, what are they from the, the please, please, Pleiades constellation. I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Um, oh, could, I know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah. You could ring them up and be like, Hey, I, I found, you know, I found something or I have this problem. And they're like, Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And they, they solve it for you. Like over the phone, like mm-hmm. what would be the ramifications of that on a character like this? And actually that reminds me. Um, I just realized I had a short story that I was going to write about a, a, a a kid, you know, living in his apartment, he comes across this catalog. No idea where the catalog comes from, but 
but it's it's kind of like like what you see on the back of comic books from ages ago where it's like x-ray glasses or buy a ray gun <laughs> and it's like and he orders some of the shit off of that catalog excuse my language <laughs> and uh and it is what it says so like x-ray glasses come and it's not a gimmick it's x-ray glasses hmm. or it's like it's not a gimmick it's a it's a freaking ray gun like you <laughs> like oh my god i i think that that would be a really fascinating scenario like for for a character to come across and and it would be understandable in the framework of our society because we understand technology and so if technology comes from an outside source we can we can say yeah that that happens but you know so that's like <laughs> that was kind of the idea is like the the technological source that's external and not to say ancient but mm-hmm. but possibly futuristic you know because mm-hmm. also like there's the idea that when uh, when we look out into outer space that we're seeing the past so Mm-hmm. realistically the galaxies that are out there now are on par with our place in time mm-hmm. but we are seeing the light from those galaxies from the past and we know of no other way of of information uh exchange faster than light but there could be so many civilizations out there right now that can't communicate just because of the speed of light mm-hmm. and and so maybe they find a way of communicating the you know, and they send, we, we happen across something. And, and then there's the idea of like, well, if a child finds it, it's like, it's like you give your child a tablet or, you know, some sort of computer where they, they can swipe and they can touch and they can, you know, they figure it out really fast. And then at some point they understand it better than you do. Like, is that going to be the case? Or is it going to be like, the kid gets it and it's just like they're playing around with it. I don't know what this does. And they hand it off to the adult or the sub-adult. And, the, you know, the, they're just like, oh, I'm intellectually developed enough to understand this. And mm-hmm. they like, like. It. That's interesting. Can we talk about that dichotomy for just a second? Uh, so in my experience, one of the reasons kids pick up on technology so fast is because they're fearless with it. Whereas mm-hmm. adults are always afraid they're going to break something or they're going to cre- change a setting and they're going to switch like the language to Chinese and it's never going to get back again. You know, like they're going to do something. Whereas kids are like <laughs> just all over the place with it. They don't care, you know. Right. And honestly, most technology is built uh, so that you can't really mess it up. You know, right, like right. If, if you can't can't really get, be handed a tablet and really mess it up. So you have to think, well, maybe if this is a – communication device that was designed to go from one civilization to another, it would be it created in such a way that it wouldn't like you, you wouldn't be able to mess it up. Like, like, um, like you did, like your scenario of handed to the kid, the kid figures out how to unlock it because they're fearless, but then they can't read what's on there. They, you know, it all just, this isn't a game. So he hands, <laughs> it, you know, hands it back to, you know, whoever. And then they're like, Holy crap. You know, like, like, I, I have the keys to the universe so, here. So that 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 just makes me think. So it's like a it's like a you know come 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 to work with your with your dad sort of day, <laughs> and it's a, it happens to be a scientist that's working at something that maybe not as restrictive as Area Fifty One, <laughs> but something like that where he's just like he's frustrated with this device he's trying to figure out, and he hands it off to his kid. He's like, "God, oh, go play with this. Stop annoying me." And his kid <laughs> figures it out, like unlocks it or something like that. Oh my gosh. Because that would just be, I mean, that would be amusing and also kind of an interesting story. Yeah, I see real potential there. Like if you have this kind of portal 
to another uh, civilization of, of kind of on par or, or maybe just slightly ahead or superior technology. Uh, and, and, and it was created, you know, like we have this human history of how technology works, you know, starting with fire in the wheel and it's kind of, we can draw a straight line between that and what we have today. Um, Tablets. Yeah. But if things had evolved <laughs> differently because of different, you know, physiology or whatever on another, uh, for an alien race or an other dimensional race or something, then you're looking at, you're like, holy cow, like, what, how do I make that work? It's right. going to be amazing. So if you, if you get the portal open or not, my, my portal, what I mean is the communicate lines yeah, of communication, the tablet, the laptop, whatever. So you can see a screen, you know, uh, or VR goggles. I don't know. And, um, you can see it uh, in a screen and you can read that information. It's translating into English for you because it can detect that you speak English somehow, you know? <laughs> so um, you just actually brought up a really good point. Um, risk versus reward. And, and, and this is, I, I guess this goes back to your point with the kids and they're fearless. So what if the technology, when you, you know, you get, you get this information. Actually, one thought that occurred to me is like the, the wow signal, you know, like mm. if we had caught that whole signal, like maybe it's like, I'm, Maybe that's where contact came from. But anyway, it's instructions to build this device. And what the device is, is it's this thing that goes over your head. And it has a whole bunch of spikes. <laughs> that when you turn it on, those spikes are going to jam directly into your skull. Like, yeah, who would put that on? And then, you know, the 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 payout for that, the, the reward for that is that you're put into this alien VR mm. Because of these, this interface with your brain, but you don't know that before you put the helmet on. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know the the information could take any form, and so it could be very scary. It could be like very terrifying, or it could be very benign. Like, so I guess in the in the last Mimsy, one of the toys is a rabbit. Mm. It's a stuffed rabbit, and what it does is it starts communicating with one of the children telepathically. And, but anyway, like I said, I haven't seen the movie and I think I've read the story like ages ago, but mm-hmm. it, I, I find it to be a very fascinating concept. Like, yeah, I think that there is, there's a lot of directions you could go with that. First off the the origin of the, uh, of the information, you know, like it could be, like we said, alien race, it could be another dimensional race or it could be from the future. It could be. Oh. Because that's well, that's what the the last Mimsy is. Is they're sending technology back in time. I was also thinking it could be from say a race that is completely died out, and this is a computer system that is maybe it's like a library computer system, and it's it's trying desperately to get information checked out to somebody, but nobody's existed exists anymore. You get the portal to the computer right. system, and and now it's like just in love with you because it gets to fulfill its function by giving you all of the information. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so, so maybe, um, <laughs> so maybe that's what actually happened to the Library of Alexandria. Is it wasn't? It didn't burn down. Yeah, uh, aliens just took it away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're like, you guys, you guys can't handle this. Um, oh man! In order to prevent the destruction of this, we're gonna just, you know, we're gonna take it away. You got and, a steam engine in here and pictures of an airplane. No yeah, way! This, yeah. is, <laughs> this is way too early. You know. <laughs> You need another four thousand years before right. you get this back. <laughs> All right. 
you know. Um, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> like that that whole concept of of trend, the the communication of information, and well, and actually, this this brings up one of the one of the ideas that I'm going to use um, in some of my writing is the the Library of Babel. Like, hmm. was it? Uh, oh crap! I don't remember the author's name. Wrote a short story. Uh, basically, it's it's a library that contains every permutation of the English alphabet, mm. like all, books that contain. And if you think about it, if you have every permutation of all of the letters of the English language, then you have everything that is written, it will be written, or was written somewhere in the library. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of finding it. And so, like, you know, that's a fascinating concept to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that concept too. But um, you have to, yeah, with that you have to figure out how to discern, like how to search. Yeah, how to search. Actually, yeah, search would be key. You'd have to get the Google of the Babel, the right. Babel Google, the Gubabble, <laughs> <laughs> Gubabble. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I feel like like you have, to have mm-hmm. a herd of monkeys just kind of. Like, <laughs> Pulling yes. it, like rapidly shoving it into scanners. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it makes me think like that the, the, the last Mimsy was a good idea and it could really use a, a refresher, a mm-hmm. modern treatment of it because we understand technologies in a different way now than we did 50, even 50 years ago. So mm-hmm. like, I think there's a, a lot of really good stories to be told and actually a lot of, um, discernible characteristics of human nature would come to the surface in that too. So you, you would use the technology as an exploration of like character attributes. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you received that as a child, if you, if you were given this power of uh, telepathy as a child, like how would that, how would that influence your upbringing? How would that influence you as an adult or if you gave it to an adult and they actually figured it out and they, they, but I, I, you know, that also makes me think, um, of like the green lantern. Oh, (laughs) because where did, I'm not familiar with his lore, but where did he get the ring? Like, Mm. Yeah, uh, so I am so familiar with this lore. Like, <laughs> I was oh hoping gosh, that you could man. elucidate me. All right, two. There are actually two different. Uh, there's there's the 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 I think Golden Age uh, Green Lantern and right. there's the Silver Age Green Lantern. The Golden Age Green Lantern, where his lantern ring came from, is kind of a it's kind of a mystery because uh, he was in a railroad accident. If I remember the story right, he was in a railroad accident and. This, uh, he, it was literally a magic ring. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't like, you know, yeah, the rest of the stuff came later, but it was literally just a magic ring. He wasn't part of like a Green Lantern Corps or anything else. And, um, and he used it to kind of save his own life and I think somebody else's life. But then flash forward to the Silver Age when you're in the like 60s and 70s and you get the modern version of Green Lantern where there's this alien race that is the oldest race in the universe. And they accident, they, they were, they were all about, uh, science. And they, uh, one of the members of their race act, uh, he performed a forbidden experiment to learn the origin of the universe. And this is like their one law. Nobody could ever do this experiment to figure, to learn it. And he, and he starts to observe the origin of the universe. And it's like this hand that's dipping down into it. But when that, when he sees the hand and stuff, 
the experiment like explodes and you know everything. So he is banished, right? Uh, but when that happened, kind of the concept of evil was introduced into the universe. And so uh, the Guardians were, there, were what they began to call themselves, the Guardians of the Universe. And they developed, their initial project was to develop like a series of robots called Manhunters that would patrol the universe and like kind of arrest evil, you know, but that failed. And uh, and then they, they decided, okay, we need, we need actual like uh, beings to do this. And so they developed a weapon system that was the, the ring. Uh-huh. And like, so they would, you know, that would be distributed out to a representative of every alien species in the entire universe. And they would function as police officers for their specific section of the universe. And so our green lantern of earth is just one of thousands of green lanterns that exist. It's basically just a, he's a space police cop. officer. Yeah. He's a space cop. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, so that's the, that's the idea though, is that you've got the green lantern Corps out there who are after they seek out justice, you know, they seek to, to right. bring justice to, but, to, a, to a universe that has been corrupted because somebody from their alien race performed an experiment and they took responsibility for that one person's right. action. That's you know? really fascinating because that has like biblical ideals oh, in sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the fall with Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. like, you know, there was no good and evil until somebody viewed the experiment. Um, and then it also goes to the trope that we're discussing where te- it's technology that's given to some random person on the earth mm-hmm. um, from some higher from power somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that actually brings in too. like, you could, you could, uh, you could do a story along the, much along the same lines where the ancient gods come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, we're just chilling out here, you know, going through the Burger King drive through whatever. And the Anunnaki come back. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man, that what the real. hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that got real, real fast. You know, <laughs> the Anunnaki come back and we're like, there's supposed to be a bunch of gold here. What have you been doing? <laughs> when we left, we said, yeah, pile the we, gold we here. We made you <laughs> <laughs> to do this one thing and you're not doing it. <laughs> What, what even is the internet? You know, why do you spend so much time on it looking at cats? <laughs> Gold was that was the important thing. Have some more mushrooms, right? All right, now right. let's get busy. <laughs> Obviously, we failed at our job. We're going to annihilate everybody and start over. Oh yeah, hit the reset button. <laughs> like we're turning you off and turning you on again. Right. <laughs> right. Oh man, oh. like I, I really do think I don't know. There's so much really good media and really good literature out there that that touches on these topics. And, you know, some people may like, (laughs) I can't say that I love the comic, you know, Mm -hmm. format, but I love the stories that they come up with because they have like comic books have touched on so many topics. And, you Mm -hmm. know, my lack of knowledge in that area is uh, inexcusable, but still, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no you know why i think this is my theory on that like i think that for a long time nobody cared about comic books like in the in the 50s 60s 70s 80s most people didn't care about comic books at all you know and um uh i know that growing up i was a huge comic book nerd and I can tell you I was ostracized from every party because, <laughs> because I liked comic books. But, right. So, you know, people actively disliked that. Um, but I think that, like, 
as far as the rest of media goes, nobody cared. Like, you right. just do whatever. You guys are over there. You just screw yeah. around. Do whatever you want. That's nerd stuff. You have total freedom. Right. You didn't have, like, big business people injecting themselves into stories. You didn't have executives who are not writers go and tell a writer that his story doesn't really work and they want him to change the ending. Right, right. You had writers and artists who were able to just do what they wanted. Like the condiment king. Yeah. <laughs> like the condiment king. You don't get the condiment king you know, today. You got him like back in the 1970s when everything was crazy. So I don't know. We got we got really close with Mystery Men. So. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the spleen. The spleen. <laughs> God. Yes. Oh my gosh! So I, that's my theory: is that everybody everybody actively ignored comic books, and it gave writers and 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 artists the ability to just like well, freeform and do whatever they wanted. So we got great material and, out of that. Yeah. Well, and then too, like if you think about it, like at that point, it's just demand for whatever story arc is mm-hmm. gonna is gonna drive that story arc. It's not gonna be a producer. It's not gonna be somebody with money trying to make more money. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like, does this story work? Mm-hmm. And so. If it does, even if it's the Condiment King, then fine, it works and people will buy that story. Like, Yeah. And you know what was interesting was that almost none of these characters that we're talking about were actually creator-owned. Like, the, like the, the actual creators of the characters created the character, but the publishing house owned it. And ah. then writers and artists came and went, came and went. And so when you take a well-known, like, like legendary character like Batman, for instance, it's probably had... A thousand different writers right. have come in and touched that character, changed some aspect of it, tweaked it, experimented, figured out what worked and what didn't. And then what did work just became a part of that character moving forward, you know? So you had like this kind of, um, I guess, you community. Know, it, it's almost a democracy, like people voting with their money on which stories work for them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, today we are very concerned about creators owning their creations, right? right? But that's not what happened there. Right. And so, I guess, uh, there, you know, there's also the flip side to that in that, you know, like, the writers, they were all con- writers for hire. So, like, if you went in to write for X-Men or something, you might, they say, well, we want you to do a 24-issue run, so that's a two-year contract. You sign a contract, we'll pay you this much money for every issue, you just turn in the scripts, right? Like right. we'll pay you $300 per issue. So, you know, writers weren't making anything. <laughs> but, you know. I'm pretty sure that's still the case. But. I, I think that is. <laughs> so you turn in like, you know, like, a, you know, 24 different scripts and it covers an entire story arc, like what you were talking right, about. Right. And then later, when you're done, they'll bring in a totally different writer who'll take it in a different direction, you know? Um, I don't know. I think that's that was the medium though. That that was what how how that that's how we got the stories that they're making movies about today. Right. We're not making movies of the comic book stories that are coming out today. We're making movies of those stories that came out twenty or thirty years ago. Well, and derivative yeah. stories of plot lines that have already happened because, yeah. like, I mean, we're so saturated and inundated with you know with new like with ideas that mm-hmm. I think we are reaching a point where there are no new ideas. It seems like that, doesn't it? I, I, I think that you could rehash, what is it? There are only eight scripts in Hollywood and this <laughs> is just a retelling of one of those. Eight well, I mean, stories, we, so. that movie we saw, I don't even remember the title. It, it felt a lot like the Stepford wives. Oh, uh, right. Um, don't worry, darling. 
I didn't that remember was either. That was it. Yeah, don't worry, darling. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a great movie, yeah. but it, it very much felt like The Stepford Wives. Yeah. Like, uh, I think which, that it was on purpose leading us down that road, too. The, to the old version of that movie mm-hmm. is really great because it does not have a good ending. Oh, yeah. I know. Like the- <laughs> I, I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it on TV. <laughs> I did. I, and my, my uh, grandmother was glued to the screen and I was right there with her, you know? So- you know, actually, that brings up a point that I've wanted to uh, discuss briefly. Um, I think our modern culture is missing the art of the tragedy mm. because... Everything now is the glitz and glamour, the superhero, the powers, the, mm. the, the hero triumphing over adversity. And there is no tragic failure. Like, no... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't even think of a good example of that. Like, I can. And or. So <laughs> this makes me a little upset. So there's, <laughs> there's actually... So uh, there's a series of Star Wars movies. Star Wars is famous for exactly what you're talking about, right? But they made a standalone movie called Rogue One. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, it's one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. And it's got a sad ending. Yeah, yeah. Not to spoil it. <laughs> so shut up. Like, turn off the, the, the podcast. Spoiler alert. Skip over. Yeah, yeah. Like the next minute. But everybody dies in the right. end. You I'm know? pretty sure we all knew that was happening, though. Yeah, when the movie was even announced. I I know, like like the mini Bothan spies had died to bring us this information, right? So, uh, which although I will, I like why are they Bothans anyway? I don't know, but um, <laughs> but what gets me though is just exactly what you're talking about because to me that ending was perfect. Everybody died. I left that movie theater with this sense of like overwhelming just sadness. Which conversely made me happy. I don't know why, but, um, but it was like I I was affected by that movie. And now there now there's a TV show called Andor. On uh, you know it's on Disney Plus. It's already started, and it's the prequel to that. Now what I what I do like it's got the main star or the main spy that was in there. He died at the end of the, of Rogue One, but he's the star of this TV show, and the TV show takes place before Rogue One. What I do like about it is that the studio put a lot of pressure on the writers and stuff to figure out a way to bring him back and make him alive again. And everybody has universally rejected that. And <laughs> said, no, he is yeah. dead. Yeah. So you can watch what he did before. We made new stories up before that, but he is dead. You know, he did not live to see the rebellion. Right. <laughs> he right. just died. Right. And I do appreciate that because we are too like cotton candy now. Yeah. yeah. We, everything is softened. Everything is. Keep it open for a sequel in case we make money, you know. Well, and, and I think because because we're so driven by happy emotions and all that, that it leaves very little room for the tragedy. Like, and I don't know that a lot of people understand the catharsis of watching a tragedy. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I watched something that was truly just tragic. Um, we and you're right. We don't. Those are not common movies or TV shows or books anymore. Like, well, I'm sure it has a lot to do with money. (laughs) It's all driven by money. Yeah. If you, if you are successful, you want to be able to (laughs) build on that success, right. And and create a franchise instead of creating like one product that was perfect beginning to end and ended in a way that was just made you feel terrible. Because that's a human emotion, <laughs> right? Tragedy and comedy. So, uh, 
uh, you know, like, like, like they don't want that now. Nobody, it seems like the business side of it doesn't want it anymore. I think that the profit, the profit minded side doesn't want it. Yeah. I think, I think there are artists out there that seek out tragedy and tragic storytelling, but they're mm -hmm. not successful or they're not as successful. Like they're just always eclipsed by the, the, the Mm -hmm. glitz and the glamour. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So that's the, that's the pitch. Lost, lost, not lost information. Information from another source coming into our world today. And how does that affect things? Great. Write it up. All right. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. I want to read it. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening.